Spectre Creative Studio. Everybody is enjoying themselves to their fullest extent. It's a wonderful sight seeing people genuinely enjoying themselves. There's no false pretense about this whatsoever. Hello, and welcome to What's Cool, a podcast about passions and everything else. I'm your host, Sam Brywill, and this week's special guest is indie model and aspiring filmmaker, Christy Jessica. Hi, Christy. Thanks for being on the show. Hello. How's your day going so far? It's going pretty good. I, I just got some coffee, so I'm all caffeinated. Yeah, I usually like to get a coffee before like I do the, uh, the podcast to get all like, hyped up. But, you know, so this is I think we're episode number six or seven. I'm like a little bit ahead. So, but I've been drinking coffee before everyone. And I just realized that I have like a coffee allergy, like a caffeine allergy because yeah, like when I drink coffee, like my back of my throat itches. So I'm like, crap. So I need to find a little bit of alternative. I think I might switch to like decaf tea or something. I don't know. So I'm jealous of your Uh, Starbucks this morning. Oh man, uh, you're on the East Coast, right? Right. So it's noon here. It's early where you are. Yeah, early-ish. Uh, but the reason I mentioned it is because over here in Seattle, everybody's addicted to coffee. So like two <laughs> coffees is like just normal. <laughs> right. So I definitely need to make sure if I go to Seattle to like find something else. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. And, and up here in Seattle, we're we're all about our indie coffee because like, yeah, I went to Starbucks, but I'm here because they have like good internet connection here and I live in a van and I don't have like consistent internet. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I get that. That's cool. I'm glad to, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about like your story and like what you do now. I was reading a little bit before I was on your website and I was like getting really amped for the interview. So, oh, right. Yeah. So to like kick it off, can you just tell me a little bit, a, a little bit about what you do now and then how you also like got there? Okay. So right now um, I have been a freelance model for 15 years now, ever since I turned 18 pretty much. And I'm 33. Um, so right now I mostly create my own content, but I do collaborate with some photographers who hire me and uh people who i select that i like their style um but it it was a it's been quite a roller coaster to get to the point to where i am now and i feel like i've kind of like slowly eased into like a a pattern of content creation that's joyful for me and also uh income producing uh i do i do shoot video as well Um, I've done lots of like creative trippy music video type things that don't make me any money, but they're fun. Um, And I fly my drone when I travel and I have a YouTube channel and my YouTube channel is just is pretty much for me to like, uh, keep touch, keep in touch with my folks and they, they can see the adventures of what I'm doing and also a way for me to like connect with people in like a me talking in a video instead of them just seeing a picture of me or like a hot strip tease video or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with a video camera and I had considered going more fully into video production, but, um, I started finding out that a lot of the, um, 
a lot of the people who were looking to hire me as a videographer had like their like specific vision or like they they wanted to put me in a box like and do their thing and and I don't I don't like jive with that as much. Uh, I would have a lot more fun like doing my own creative thing. So if people want to hire me for the kind of style that I like shooting and editing that I put on my like uh, video portfolio and stuff, I'll totally do it. But I decided that if I'm not just screaming hell yeah about it, like I'm not gonna drag all my equipment out and deal with, I, I've had some like weird interactions it's not for everybody. I, I definitely like praise all those people who are like amazing with like filming people's basketball games and weddings and stuff, but yeah. it's not for me. You sound like you're more on the creative side. Like me, I'm definitely in like the creative sphere. I want to like be kind of in charge of like the vision and things like that. And there are a lot of people who are like definitely interested in the technical side of like just documenting and things like that. So that's cool. Yeah. I've I like that's that's neat to hear um I mean yeah like you have I feel like you have such an interesting story that it's cool to see how you've turned from like where you started into like creating content and now like branching out and doing work with other people so on your website um I like saw that you were raised in a pretty conservative Christian family is that true yeah, so the Christian environment that I grew up in was uh, an Assemblies of God denomination, which is uh, a lot of people relate it to this movie Footloose that I've never seen, but it's basically like dancing is evil because it promotes lust and lust is a sin and like you can't wear like tank tops, your pants can't be too baggy, your pants can't be like too tight and like they'll they'll send you home for like wearing all black or like chewing gum or whatever. It was just like... Wow. Not not just the, the strict dress code, but like this, it was a kindergarten through 12th grade school that was also a church that our family was members of. And in school, starting in seventh grade, they make all the students sign this piece of paper that says that you vow to not use the Lord's name in vain, do go to parties where there's alcohol or drugs or curse, including off campus or wear shirts that represent secular, AKA not Christian bands. Um, and so people would get expelled for like, you know, wearing a Lincoln Park hoodie or something like that. Yeah. I got expelled for wearing leather pants. That is absolutely insane. That's such a controlling environment. Like, yeah. Wow. And they, they charge some of the highest tuition in Washington state. And if you uh, get expelled because they find out that you're not Christian or because you broke one of their stupid rules, they they don't uh, refund your parents' high tuition. Oh, so they like to make the money is what it sounds like. So yeah, like, totally. Because yeah. God needs money, right? Of course. I mean, <laughs> bank accounts straight to heaven. So anyway, I grew up in yeah. this environment and I was... Uh, I, I was not about it. Like starting at the age of 13, I'm like standing in the sanctuary, like watching everybody like raising their hands and speaking in tongues. And I'm just like, I don't feel it. Like I'm supposed to feel something and I'm not <laughs> yeah. feeling it. Like no offense to anybody listening that like is into that stuff. But like, right. I was like, what's going on here? But I was trapped in this bubble. I was like super, like I was in a world where that was the only thing that I was ever exposed to. And I like, every once in a while like you know at mcdonald's or something i would see like something that hinted that there was like something different on the outside world and that like drove me crazy and so when i 
when I was 16, I started getting like not Christian boyfriends. But then by the time I was 18, I was like moved out immediately, transferred my car's title to my name and got my my insurance transferred to my name because my parents were trying to control me by like Mm -hmm. saying it was theirs because the title was in their name when I was still 17. And I I just got the F out of there and I I got a tattoo. I started nude modeling and I just like, I was like, fuck Christianity. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's like you had to like get out of town, like get the hell out of Dodge to get to, because I mean, I imagine like when you're being told so many things, to do things you can't really like have a space to figure out who you are your own self like you have you're so wrapped up in like what people are talking about or talking to you you know it's hard to figure out like what are your interests like what do you actually enjoy what do you actually believe right mm-hmm. yeah I, I grew up in Seattle like my whole life and I didn't even know who Nirvana was until I was 16 years old wow that's pretty <laughs> that's like insane but I mean it makes sense yeah. like so insulary, like the whole, like you were just so insulated. And then I read yeah. that you went to like the party house, which I thought would be like such a cool television show when I was reading about it. I was like, this would be really interesting. Can you tell me about <laughs> that? Yeah. So around uh, 2008, the economy was crashing. My parents divorced when I was 13. That's a whole other story. Um, but um, I was mostly living with my mom. Uh, I got a DUI when I was 19 and I had been like moved out, but then I had to move back in for a year. And then the economy crashed in 2018 and my mom called me one day and she was like, Hey, uh, so are you still going to like be living with us for a while? And, and mind you, there's me, my two sisters and my two stepbrothers all living oh, wow. okay. with my so mom like five kids. and my stepdad. Yeah. It's the Brady Bunch. Yeah. yeah. And so my mom's trying to figure out like, in her mind she was like okay we're gonna lose the house uh because they were in the mortgage industry and that really like you know got screwed during yeah bubble pop um so i was like no problem mom i can figure it out because i had some friends who like you know when i started partying when i was like 16 17 i made friends who like lived in like party houses and stuff and one of them was a good friend of mine and he always had like one of his roommates, you know, was going to leave and they always had a room that was like coming available soon. So I texted him and I was like, Hey, got a room. And he was like, you got 300 bucks. And I was like, yeah, he's like, it's yours. And I was like, cool. And so, so they were all him and his like other roommates were in uh, local Seattle in- independent bands. And oh, so I became like the poster child and like the promoter for all their bands. And cool. we didn't have TV. We just like jammed in the living room. And like, we were like our own little like music, you know, like microculture, like little like, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that was uh, when I was 19 until I was 24. But you know, I, I was drinking and partying a lot through that time. And, and I started, I started freelance modeling when I was 18. Um, But I was also working um, in the food service industry as a takeout server and and waitress. Um, And I eventually became a bartender. But um, so like I had been, I started like modeling at 18, but like only because I thought that I was going to be like the chicks on America's Next Top Model. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Definitely that era too, right? Like 2008, 2007, like big next top model time yeah and and a lot of the stuff like i i sort of did it secretly because like you know 
my parents were like really conservative and I was like nervous to even tell them that I was like doing photo shoots and like I, I had I had like friends and stuff but like most of my friends were guys but I was just kind of like doing this stuff for fun kind of on my own and I wasn't really a part of a community or anything like that when I started mm-hmm. um I did um find on gee I don't even know Craigslist or something like group photo shoots where they would like there was like this freelance organization that would like get people together and like photographers and models would like shoot at a location that was rented and so I kind of started networking in in those arenas and um, meeting other photographers that wanted to work with me in the future and just kind of like playing around doing like body paint shoots and bikini and stuff like that but um I did get into nude modeling like right at the beginning. Then I had some like negative experiences. And so I was kind of like, I had two model portfolios on the main modeling website, uh, modelmayhem.com, which is kind of not as popular anymore, but it's still there. Um, Back then it was like, you know, the site. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had one profile that was like the one that I would show my mom or whatever. And the other one that had like, you know, topless and stuff on it. Yeah. I was going to ask, I have a question about like, when was your first modeling job? And like you said, it was like one of the, you started right when you started modeling. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that hard to like bridge the gap between like non-nude and nude shoots? Like, was that, I mean, were you nervous? Like, what, like, what was that process like for you? Um, so my first shoot ever, I guess I should tell this story first, because it kind of like sets the tone for answering that question. My first shoot ever was when I was 18. And uh, I had a MySpace profile that had like photos of myself that I like, you know, I set my point and shoot on one side on a 10 second timer, and I would like pose and like put it on MySpace in my cute pajamas or whatever. And like after I turned 18, somebody contacted me on MySpace and he was like, nice photos. Do you want to do a real photo shoot with a real photographer? And I was like, oh, I probably can't. I like, because when I was 14, I got stretch marks on my hips and on my boobs. And I was like really self-conscious of them. And I was thinking like, if I can just cover them up or whatever, like I, I can pose. But I like, I knew about photoshop and airbrushing but i hadn't wrapped my mind around the idea that they could just like remove blemishes in post um like you know i was still really young and inexperienced so i I told this guy like because of those reasons i thought that you know it probably wouldn't be a good uh, model and he was like well send me some pictures and i did and he was like well yeah when you show up you know we'll we'll see what we could do about that and i'm like okay and he asked me do you want to do a bikini and lingerie shoot and I'll pay you 50 bucks? Or uh, if you want to do a nude photo shoot, the pay is a hundred bucks. And I was like, uh, it's my first shoot. So I'll probably just go for the bikini lingerie, you know? And so, so that's what I agreed to. And I got there and the guy's kind of like talking down to me, like my equipment's going to make you look good because I have these professional lights that help you make, make you look good. And I'm like, you I look good and he kept on asking me to brush my hair over and over so he had he had this whole like grooming thing up set up and I I didn't realize what he was doing until like later when I like looked back at the behavior but anyway so he's like telling me how to pose and taking my picture and he's like slowly start turning around in this circle and while you're taking your bra off and I was like wait a second I'm not gonna take my bra off because we agreed to do bikini lingerie right and he was like 
listen here, Missy, these photos need to be competitive with everything else on the internet. And, you know, there's a lot out there. So if we don't do news, then we're just wasting our time. And I was like, uh, so he kind of belittled me into posing yeah. nude. And then when I was nude, he was like, wow, you're so much more beautiful with your clothes off than when they're on like i think you're a natural at this like mm. i think you're ready for an erotic shoot and i was like what's okay. erotic mean <laughs> and he's yeah. like let me show you and so he uh pulls out his laptop and shows me like a series of videos of like chicks sucking his dick and i was like uh i don't know and he was like showing me this websites of like other barely legal just turned 18 chicks that he was telling me this girl you're even prettier than she is and she's making ten thousand dollars a month and i was like uh i don't know and then then he could tell that i was freaked out and right. so uh he was like oh maybe, maybe get another picture of your driver's license to prove your actual age and uh move along now and he kind of like ran me off the property and I was like, whoa, like that was really weird. Um, it's like a whirlwind experience. Like you go in yeah. thinking it's going to be one thing and then it turns into absolutely something out of control. Like, yeah. Holy so, shit. and I, I didn't know, you know, I had no idea like what a predator was. You right. Know? I, You're 18. I out, yeah. I came out of this like, you know, bubble world where right. like, weren't, people didn't talk about sex. Exactly. Like, I did. I lost my virginity when I was like 16 and stuff, but it like I wasn't like being exposed to like internet predators. Right. Like I had like I had like weird Yahoo chat room experiences with weirdos, but it didn't connect to me that like this is like super like they're everywhere. And like people would do it in person. Like I feel like on the internet it's a whole different thing, but like somebody's like pressuring you in person, it's a whole like it's such a new level of uncomfortability and like craziness. Wow. Yeah, so so anyway, after that, I was like, okay, well, if somebody says that they want to shoot nude with me, then they're probably going to want to, like, have sex with me. So I'm probably, like, if they if they came at me with that, like, right off the bat, at, at during my early years of modeling, I was just like, nope. Um, and, and I would sometimes, like, like, there was a photographer that was my third photographer I ever worked with. And he just shot fashion pictures in the park with me. And then this is maybe a couple months after my first experience. At the end of our shoot, he like showed me this like printed out booklet of like tasteful glamour nudes with like girls holding roses and stuff. And he said, if you were interested in ever doing this kind of a thing, like, you know, I'll pay you, um, you know, and I have a studio and stuff and, you know, but no pressure. And I was like, thanks, but no thanks. But then a few months after that, I was like, well, that guy was really nice and I trusted him. And so I agreed to it. And that guy ended up hiring me every month for almost five years. So, wow. So you yeah. were able to like make relationships with people once you like sussed them out and felt them out and you were kind of like, oh, okay, like these are people who are doing legitimate, like clothes, fashion shoots. And then if they offer, you know, to do the more like risque or nude kind of photo shoots, you just felt more comfortable to kind of like go for it because they'd already built the rapport with you is what it sounds like yeah um and like I guess I should probably kind of like you know draw back a little bit and kind of like paint the scope because a lot of people are like who are these photographers and where are the pictures going and like why you know and like um a lot of people ask me that question as a freelance five foot two model who's clearly not like an agency represented high fashion model um 
this is all like mostly uh you know creative stuff but right. and and um a lot of the photographers who hire me they they fall into different archetype uh characters um mm. some of them a lot of them are like people who have like a main job that makes them a lot of money like here in seattle it's like microsoft or boeing or amazon or something like that yeah and they have expendable income and photography is like their like creative outlet uh sometimes it's their like creepy get my rocks off outlet where like yeah. their photography never actually improves but they're like not necessarily gonna cross the line but like some of them do but like there's a lot of people that i've worked with who they hire me because when they were young their dad had playboys hidden under the bed and they saw them and they were like wow i want to make photos like that so there's people who are doing it just because they want to create that kind of stuff yeah because it makes them happy and there's people that want to like actually try and like you know cross the line and like get the model to do something they're not comfortable with for some kind of power play reason yeah i was i mean and that kind of leads me i was going to ask you you know how do you like make sure that you feel secure and safe when you're shooting with a new like photographer are there like professional standards that you have for yeah people? so a lot of this is like uh kind of like i can sense it like by, yeah. based on the way they they form their email their initial email to me um and i had to learn this the hard way i have like a you know a whole like you know book full of stories of weirdos <laughs> but uh, basically through experience and trial and error i learned that if somebody contacts me and their initial like contact says something like hey want to shoot and there's like no information or if it's like hey i think you have like a really hot body like i would love to you know photograph you and like that that, that still kind of makes it about me right and about how they're sexualizing me even if their like intentions are like to actually do a photo shoot and not like cross the line with me like i still already have that bad taste in my mouth like so a good email that makes me feel like the shoot's gonna be positive is uh they they say hi christy like i looked at your portfolio and i have a project that you know i think you might do well for or whatever and then sure. they'll maybe they'll send me a link to some ideas of what they want to shoot. Right. They'll definitely send me links to like where I can see their work online. And yeah. I don't even care if they have like an actual WWW portfolio. Like if they have an Instagram page that's filled with their photography and I can see their photos and see the models that they worked with and like contact them, like yeah. there, there's a whole like uh, way to check references on photographers when they are contacting me. Um, the best thing I can do is like find the models that they've worked with that they've posted photos of and I initiate contact with them and say, Hey, did you work with this guy? Like, mm -hmm. was he cool? So like on Instagram, you know, the photographer can tag the model and right. there, there's other ways on like different social platforms that the photographer puts the credit to the model. Right. Yeah. So that yeah. I can get in touch with them. And so models generally like, you know, kind of bind together and make sure that each other isn't going to get like freaked out. That's awesome. It's like a close knit, strong community between yeah. each other. Yeah. So, so even if I've never talked to somebody before, I'm, I'll still like message them and say, I, I saw you work with so-and-so, Yeah. Um, you know, was he respectful? And they'll almost always like, let me know what it was like. Good. That's awesome. And I think that's, 
cool that you know it's like you can support each other and it's not about like oh I don't want her to work with someone or I'm not you know we're trying to be competitive with each other it's just all like I mean because I mean, females are vulnerable in the situation because you are being like putting yourself out there. I mean, I guess anybody, not just females, but like essentially when I feel like, you know, I, I did photography in school and I've also like done, not like I've never done like a nude shoot or anything like that, but like I've been on the other side of the camera. So it is like a different, it's a huge power dynamic when somebody's like shooting you and you know, you're having to take direction and you're listening to them and whatnot. But I mean, I think that's cool for anybody who's like listening or for people who are interested in modeling just to know like these are ways that you can go ahead and start even at the first shoot, like start making sure that the people you're working with are legitimate and are, you know, not going to put you in a position that you're uncomfortable with or like more importantly, like not try to hurt you or make you feel any kind of way. Yeah. So on that note, like anybody who initiates contact with me and asks for advice, you know, I'm like willing to have like hour long phone conversations with like girls or, you know, people who are trying to get into freelance modeling who want advice about this kind of stuff. Because when I started, like just the question of, is this job legit was always like popping into my mind. And, and then, and then whether or not, like what, what does legit mean now that there's the internet? Because Like a lot of the people, when I tell them that I model, they're like, oh, what magazines are you in? And it's like, magazines aren't really a thing anymore. Like you don't buy magazines. It's the internet now. Yeah, Um, definitely. So, so like you're modeling for other people's personal creative projects or catalogs or like, you know, people have hired me because they were about to write a book and they wanted to shoot images on like certain topics so that they could get inspiration for writing their like just stuff like that that's interesting there's a lot of yeah so it's not just like cut and dry like it's either this or that there seems to be a lot of different kind of um there's an umbrella of people who want to work with models in different capacities yeah and then well also and i think that proves to show like there's a lot of work out there to be had if you you know if you're able to connect and like you know and you have the resources like people will work with you so it's a viable um thing and i know you like live in a van and have the van life kind of thing and i definitely want to get to that because it's kind of funny i have a friend who has done modeling and who um has done like some more risque things some new things and you know when i was talking to them and i was saying you know i got this i'm gonna have this person this model on for the show and i'm really excited because i think that I was like, I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions that maybe that you would want to know for, from her, you know, just, just as a basis for the, you know, for the podcast. But I think it's really cool. Um, I think your story is really cool too, how you've been able to like bridge a gap between, or not bridge a gap, but just like to like make your lifestyle, how you wanted it to through this work and like through body, like your body. And like, I'm sure it's a lot of like building confidence and things like that. And I don't know. It's cool. It's a lot of agency. I think it's badass. Like it's really like really badass, honestly. It's, Thanks. Yeah. So I know you said like in your, in, or in your bio that you um, had like a life change, right? Where you kind of like, were like, I'm done with this like party lifestyle. I'm done with the destructiveness. Like what was your aha moment in that? Like what kind of like, what made you change your mind and be like, okay, I got to take a break or I got to change something. Yeah, so I was working at a restaurant for a long time while living at the party house, and I was doing photo shoots as well here and there. And at, by this time, by the time I was 24, I was making about half of my income working at the restaurant and the other half of the income from like 
you know, photo shoots within the greater Seattle area that I would get here and there. And uh, I ended up getting a second DUI. I got pulled over for like being on my phone. I was highly intoxicated. I didn't even know it. Um, well, like it was New Year's the night before and then the day after at like three in the afternoon, I thought that I was fine, but I was, right. I thought I was just a bit hungover, but I still had like double the amount of the legal limit. I had a 0.15 yeah. in my blood and I was just like, just breathalyze me. I'm not drunk. And the guy right. breathalyzed me and I was like, oh shit. So yeah, that's how much I was drinking. I was drinking every day yeah. um, after a while and just blacking out like all the time. And so um, my aha moment happened when I was sitting in um, across the desk from the lawyer who I was hiring to like represent my DUI case. And he was like, well, here's your options. Since you already have a previous DUI from when you were 19, um, you know, it looks bad, uh, but I have a 40% chance at uh, getting you out of it. And I was like, 40% based on his previous yeah. like, thesis, like that's his batting average, he said. Sure, he said, okay if you want me to fight the DUI, you know, and get the evidence and like work with the system and show up in court, my base rate is $3,000. And if you want to instead get a deferral, which a deferral for anybody listening who doesn't know what that is, deferral for a DUI means you get like one chance to say, okay, I did drink and drive, but it's because I'm an alcoholic and I would like to get the DUI pardoned if I agree to their two-year program that um, includes treatment and AA and a probation officer and, you know, jumping through hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you complete the two-year program, they, uh, they don't throw the book at you so hard. I did have to go to jail anyway because my second DUI happened while I was still in the probationary period for my first DUI. So... Second jail sentence was, it was a 30 day sentence, but they let me out after 20 for not breaking the rules when I was in jail. So, um, but basically, yeah, so I took, I took the, the deferral and I was like, well, I can't afford the $3,000 because by this time in my life, I had like drained all of my savings. I wanted to fight it. Um, And I've been, I've always been very rebellious in my young adult life. Like they, my nickname is rebel through my modeling Um, and, and so it's because like, I kind of just do what I want and like, I'm, I'm escaping from my upbringing. I'm I'm, like, just kind of writing my life on my own rules. So, so I fought the first DUI and I lost the second DUI. I was like, Oh, like, I don't think that I can, I don't, I won't win. Like Uh I don't have the money and I won't win. I I probably should take this deferral. And in my mind, I was like, well, but I'm not going to actually quit drinking. But for the first couple of months, I will just to make it look really good. Yeah. But, but then after the first couple of months, I was like, well, my life actually is starting to get better. (laughs) So maybe I should just stay quit. And, and at the same time, because I'd been, I'd been fired from my job. I got the second DUI. I like, lost the relationship that I was in I had like my tonsils removed. So I had like complications with like, you know, coming off of the medication and stuff. And just like two of my friends relapsed on heroin. I had to move from one house to the next because I couldn't afford. So everything was happening within the same few months. And, and because I didn't have a job anymore, because I got fired for being an alcoholic. um, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, and I was thinking like, I'm going to have to like do porn or something like that in order to pay the bills. And I was thinking like, 
I was thinking like, you know, I'm not really super comfortable with the idea personally of like, you know, doing hardcore porn. Like I'm okay with like softcore sensual, like, you know, stuff, but I'm not, like I was trying to like warm my mind up to the idea of doing it. Cause I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to have to do in order to like make ends meet because no other restaurants were hiring me or calling me back. And I didn't want to have a boss again. And so I was like, well, maybe I can just do this. And instead I kind of like started like trying to find out other ways that other freelance models in my area were like doing it full time without having a job. And I just kind of started reaching out to people online and like in person. Um, and, and people were telling me, oh, you, you got to like work on your, your social media and like get more followers and then you'll get more paid bookings and you could start traveling outside of your home city if you can start building up like an online persona that like other people think, you know, see as good marketing for yourself. And I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. So it, and, and I think one of the main things that kept me from doing porn is that, like, even if I didn't have my face in it, like, the tattoo that I have is on my lower back, and I designed it. It's, like, the only one of that exact design. Right. So it would be, like, super obvious that it was me. And so I was like, well, if, if I had no tattoos, you know, it would be less obvious. But that was kind of, like, at the bottom of the reason why I was like, well, I got to figure out another way to do this because if I'm not comfortable doing porn, it's on the internet forever. Yeah. Um, so, so I just started like posting a lot on Tumblr and I, I actually, I posted my story about how I was like freaked out about having to quit drinking. And I still lived in a party house for a whole year, like after I quit and it was because it was cheap to live there. Yeah. So, and after I started posting like really vulnerable stuff, um, people started like really responding and I started getting a lot more people that wanted to hire me to model for them and like more people following me on social media. Then I started an Instagram and I, I kind of learned through that initial experience of posting about like my, my alcoholism that I didn't think was like a, a topic before, but I guess a lot of people resonated with it. Um, it's not even related to my like actual modeling, but I've, for me, I've learned that like by posting stuff that I'm like insecure about, people resonate with that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it helps me like build my brand by right. like just trying to be um, transparent about things that I'm insecure about. And so I, I've kind of like adopted that whenever I feel like insecure about something. Um, I don't always post it online, but I like try to like incorporate it into my brand. My, my brand has kind of like, you know, at first it was just like, here's hot pictures of me. And then I was kind of like, well, this is kind of my life now because it's mostly all I do after, especially after quitting drinking and eventually moving out of the party house, I just started like, you know, talking about my real life and my relationships and what I was going through and like things that I was scared of on my modeling, you know, social media channels. And um, people started following me. And since then I've built a decent following. And, uh, now my primary income comes from like the people's, uh, subscriptions on my, uh, Patreon and my OnlyFans. I, I do get bookings from photographers too, but I don't, I don't do it as intensely as I used to, because, uh, it's a lot of work to like drive and fly to cities and do like 15 shoots in like 10 days. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that seems like, that sounds insane. I did that for like eight years. Ooh. Yeah, it, it was insane. <laughs> yeah, 
that's a long time too like that's consistent eight years that's a shit ton of time to devote to what you're talking about but i think it's cool that you like talked about um how like modeling was like the maybe like the transportation vehicle but like you really got a lot of people responding to your authenticity and like your openness and like the person who is the model not just like what like not just your body but like your brain and like your personality and your bravery to like talk about your story I think that's that's like I mean I never thought about that you know usually whenever you see models like whether they're male or female you just kind of I think people have a lot of um like judgment about what kind of person they might be or like what kind of lifestyle they have so it's cool to hear that like you were able to build your brand essentially through being like authentic and talking about like hey i'm insecure about this like things that are kind of like opposite of what you would think people would talk about if they're models right like you're like oh they're a model like they're sexy they're cool they probably have like crazy fun they like do all these fun things and then you're like nah like let me tell you like the realness and you're being honest and open such a i mean that's that's amazing thanks and i guess uh um, I had another life transition recently, which ended me in this van, uh, and, and it is, it does kind of, like, coincide with, like, you know, the pattern of my modeling. Like I said, I was, like, a- after, after, like, you know, quitting alcohol and, like, finding out how to make an income as a freelance model um, by traveling to other cities and, like, you know, planning ahead and, like, marketing my trips and like finding people who wanted to shoot with me like at a studio or outside or in a home studio I did that like for like eight years solid I was gone like half the time I'd be gone for two weeks and then back for two weeks and gone Mm -hmm. for two weeks and back for two weeks every month um and throughout that time I had a boyfriend for seven and a half years of that entire span um and he was a lot older than me and I didn't really like catch on to it at first, but he was kind of like, um, it, it was a toxic relationship. Um, and, and I, I, I didn't really realize it because he was different than my previous relationships with like drug dealers and stuff. Right. He had, you know, he had his own money and he could pay his own bills. So I just rationalized the way that he talked down to me all the time. And I think that my traveling so obsessively and getting into filmmaking and I wrote a book and I created a documentary and I'm like proud of all this stuff but I look back at all of it now and I'm like damn I was moving so fast and I was gone all the time and I couldn't even sit still for five minutes without like feeling like I needed to be productive and I can see that now as a a coping mechanism um, for like being sort of like in this like emotionally traumatic relationship that I was always trying to like improve but I was also like always I always felt like I needed to be on the road and then when I was like on the road for more than like eight to ten days I was like oh god I'm I'm sick of this I gotta go back home like I'm burned out because I'd have so many shoots in a row right I make a lot of money but then I get home and I'd be at home like with the guy that I was with at the time and then I would just feel stir crazy and I I thought that it was me I thought that I had like a problem and yeah like getting over like my past alcoholism and like trying to learn who I was was really hard um but over over the course of time I I kind of figured out that the guy that I was with was um really affecting my like 
you know, sense of self and in oh, yeah. my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was like out of it that I was like, damn, that guy was a jerk. He was trying to control me. And he was like always talking shit about my photos and about my friends who were musicians. And I was like, ah, so yeah. got him out of my life. And I, after that, I was like, well, fuck, like, I don't want anybody to try and come into my life again. And like, control me so i i a few years prior i had hired a life coach because i was trying to get my filmmaking off the ground right and uh this life coach you know we had like a six-week training program and he helped me get my goals on the road and then a, a year afterwards i see on facebook that he posts that uh he sold his filmmaking company and he like smashed all of his belongings burned everything smashed all of the like awards that he had made for his films and he was like fuck having an identity i'm gonna live in a van and travel Mm -hmm. and i was like whoa if i hired him to like try and like get me to the level that he was on and he didn't even like the level he was on and he was unhappy with his life like you know, maybe the van thing is good. <laughs> yeah. So after I broke up with my ex, I was like, I'm going to live in a van. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so I got this van and uh, I'm in it right now. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> anyway, um, and that was a year ago. And part of the idea was that like, I would just be in complete control of my own life and nobody could like you know, invite themselves to live in my apartment and like, right. you know, manipulate and control me. Right. But then I ended up falling in love and I van napped my boyfriend and <laughs> we're here now and I'm really happy to have him. He's, he's at work right now. But so anyway, now that I have this van, I've found ways to like, like if somebody initiates contact with me and wants to work with me, but I get the sense, like whether through their photos or through the way that they're talking to me, that like the shoot is going to be like, sexually aggressive or like it's going to make me feel uncomfortable in any way then I just like tell them I'm too busy um so I I only work with people who like I know that are going to make me feel good that I'm going to enjoy the photos I'm going to enjoy the process but before I was like accepting all kinds of gigs like as long as they weren't a predator I'd like go in and like talk to them about their like life because a lot of people that hired me just wanted to like treat me like a psychotherapist and then i would be getting like emotionally dumped on (laughs) i know that that life yeah okay (laughs) no i mean i know what you're saying though because it's a lot of like they just want that personal connection to be able to talk to somebody who's like the person that they pick though like oh this cute sexy girl who likes taking pictures i'll just like dump all my shit on her and then i'll take photos and then i don't have to worry about it and then you're like oh my god what am i in it yeah yeah so i i, I think that 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 kind of has affected my like perspective of marriage because i at least half at least half of all these guys are either like unhappy in a marriage divorced or they're like not telling their wife about their photography or or their wife is unhappy with their photography but lets them do it because at least it's not the strip club or whatever and that then it makes me feel like weird about it yeah I feel <laughs> that. That's uh, excuse me no yeah <laughs> so i think it was interesting what you said about um like going and being gone for two weeks coming back and like feeling like you were like oh my god i need to do something i gotta be busy i gotta be productive because i definitely have found that like through you know like my own journey or whatever 
Um, that's something that I totally do. I'm totally the person to be like, I'm uncomfortable. I need to do something because if I'm busy, then I'm not worried about whatever I really am worried about. Right. And so it's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely resonated with that when you were saying that. And that's definitely something I've been working on too. Do you still find that like you do that or you kind of like has van life made you kind of calm down and like chill? Um, it's a process. Uh, it's interesting because like throughout this entire time since I got sober, a way that I've kind of found to like help my mentality on stuff and like calm me down every morning I read, Mm -hmm. I try to read books. I've read tons of self-help books. Um, you know, like, uh, the four agreements and the slight edge and just a lot of stuff to like help you, like a lot of stuff that kind of like tries to motivate me like entrepreneurially. And then I mix that in with like stuff that helps me kind of get grounded and more like, you know, what are the essentials? Yeah. Um, I, I, and a quote that's like super pertinent to like this concept that I saw recently that I just, you know, love Uh, I saw something that somebody posted. It said, ultra independence is a trauma response. And I Mm. saw that and I was like, oh yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's That's how I've been. Yeah. So um, since I've, I moved into the van, like the process of moving into the van, like the literal process of it, like I actually, I felt like I was on the verge of a panic attack for like two months. Mm. Um, Just kind of like, untangling myself from my ex and then like making this extreme change um i i lost a bunch of weight and that i don't i don't have to lose and i was only getting like two hours of sleep a night and my my chest felt like it was consistently on fire for almost two months i was like am i having a heart attack like right it, it was like this weird like fight or flight like i'm like separating myself from the person that I thought I was supposed to be with forever so it was this weird like I had a physiological response as I was moving into this van and I was just thinking like you know once I'm this is either going to be the best decision of my life or I'm going to get killed by a crackhead in my sleep and yeah. and uh <laughs> fortunately that that, I've, that hasn't even come close to happening but um the like I had learned after I after I started living in this van, I still had the mental patterns of um, feeling like I needed to be busy all the time, like yeah. you know checking my you know Twitter, preparing posts to be queued throughout the month, and um, I kind of like crashed down last uh, July. We we broke up in early July, and then I just couldn't keep up with all the digital stuff that I was like doing yeah so i ended up hiring a digital assistant who was one of my instagram followers who i guess he'd been recently laid off and he needed the he needed some income so i trained him on like how to how to help me with my posting and and uh don't tell my twitter followers but he replies to my comments for me (laughs) because i don't have time for some of this stuff right there's a lot of digital stuff that i that i need to always have going that before when I had an apartment I'd just be like you know or like on the airplane or like in the Airbnb while traveling I was always like you know I have two hours to like prep posts and reply to comments um but but I've I've kind of like delegated some of that out I've accepted that I'm not going to be as profitable as I was before but I'm going to be happier right uh, 
but my obsession with time was was my thing like I guess I have an addictive personality I was addicted to alcohol I was addicted to like having a busy schedule and then after like moving into a van and deciding like I just need to slow down a little bit I was still thinking like you know like when I first woke up, for example, I'd wake up and think, okay, it's, it's 6.30 right now. I can make breakfast by 7.30 and get my workout in by nine. And then like, you know, and then by the time my boyfriend wakes up, I've already had this like mental plan for the entire day. Right. And then in my head, if like the checkpoints, if I can't check the boxes off in a row, mm-hmm. um, you know, as the day progresses or like something happens to like throw a wrench in my day, like oh we popped the tire or whatever like oh shit i'm not gonna like psychologically it would just freak me out and i'm like this isn't even that big of a deal why am i freaking out it's like a new lifestyle like everything's unpredictable now and i've had to learn to like just accept change and just like i think that sometimes my mantra is just like christy it's okay you live in a van now you just need to chill the fuck out (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel that. That's interesting. I mean, I love it. I haven't had a lot of people who I've had people who come on and like, they're honest about, you know, things they've went through or, you know, their perspective on things. But like, I feel like you and I are very similar just in a way of like, wanting to enterprise, wanting to like grow, wanting to be busy all the time, wanting to go, 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 go. But also like, that being such an exhausting and futile kind of lifestyle. Like it's, it's not sustainable. Yeah. It's so tiring. Eventually. It's like, is that really making you happy? Like when I, right. when I create a project that took a lot of time and effort and it gets published somewhere that's like, you know, makes me look legit. That makes me feel good about myself. And I'm like, but is it actually making me happy? And is it even making me money? Or is it just kind of like something that I can put on a resume that I'm not even trying to get hired anywhere. I work for myself. Like right. I don't even need resume. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. Like, I mean, I mean, definitely like, yeah, I'm just like blown away, honestly. Like that's so, tr- it's, it's very, I just resonated with it a lot. I didn't expect to have this kind of like connection at the beginning of this conversation. So it's really cool that like you, we're very different. We're very different people. We have different like lifestyles, but at the same time, it's exactly like, is what I'm doing making me happy? It's not about the money thing. I mean, it, it, I like to think that it would be, but it's not like it, it, money does not make you happy. Like it will not, for me, it doesn't make me happy. And obviously it sounds like for you, it's not going to make you happy. And at the end of the day, like I've done a lot of stuff as well, where I put a lot of time and energy into projects, like, and being my own kind of boss situation, you know, kind of thing. And like, like, yeah, like, okay, I like this. It makes me feel good that it's on this thing and it looks good and people are responding to it. Well, but like, is that making me happy? And I think that like feeling good and making yourself happy are definitely not the same thing. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Because some of it's just like I, I've had to learn like, is this a, a dopamine receptor addictive type response or is it like actually like good for my life? <laughs> and yeah. uh, on that note, I recently, as a as in like three weeks ago, deleted my Facebook because of 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 it being Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no, Facebook's <laughs> such a cesspool of crap right now it's awful it's awful um so i mean you know i think you kind of answered this question a little bit but i see that you you know i knew you were hosting some events and that you like to talk to people and give some guidance like what made it what made you want to like branch out from just modeling into kind of like like being that like guide for people like where was where was that kind of 
interestingly, um, like as I've done so many shoots, uh, and I've been a freelance model for 15 years now, I have like all this experience and a lot of people who are trying to get into freelance modeling, like don't have guidance and the guidance that they get comes from like photographers who are working with them who necessarily don't necessarily have like, you know, the right kind of advice for them. Um, right. or sometimes it's well-intentioned advice, but it's not from personal experience. It's just from them seeing what other models do. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's posing, you know, like when you're at the shoot, like how to pose, a lot of photographers have told me, um, you should like help other models learn how to pose because you're really good at it. So I made YouTube videos, I published books, and I, I hosted like posing workshops. Um, but more importantly, what I think is more helpful to other people who are trying to get into modeling is just like the basics of freelance modeling. People so so often contact me like at least once every week or two, and they're like, "Hi, I like." your stuff like i i want to get into modeling i've done a few shoots already and and uh you know I, I would love to pick your brain about like how to get to the next level or whatever yeah and um i i've witnessed through doing mentorships you know for free and and through like hosting like you know webinars and like in-person events where i'm like this is the you know from my experience, freelance modeling 101. Yeah. Um, and I've hosted little classes um, and I, I teach people 101. And it seems that like a lot of people who initially want to get into modeling, um, they either like decide that it's not for them or they do it for up to about a year. The average career span of a freelance model seems to be up to about a year. And that's usually by the time that either their friends and family or boyfriend saw their photos and decided, uh, you know, like to coerce them to quit or, you know, they get pregnant or they have a life change or, or like their, their manager finds their photos and says like, Oh, we can't have our company associated with this or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so a lot of people like their life gets in the way of modeling. Um, but, but I, I like to be like for a long time, I when I was trying to give people advice and a lot of people don't want to do nude modeling, but they want to make money at modeling and be a freelance full-time model and and now i i used to do like i tell them like well you could be a go-go dancer or you could do like you know non-nude balloon popping fetish videos or you yeah. know you, you could do foot modeling and, and if you're not like getting into an agency there's all there are ways that you can make an income like if you have like a special uh niche like you're a, a ballet dancer or you're a contortionist you could totally like you know make a full-time income without getting nude but then i'm like why are you contacting me for advice because i'm naked everywhere you know like, yeah. I, can, I can point you in the right direction and i can tell you that like agency modeling is like not what it used to be um and mainstream agencies even if they are like representing somebody who meets their industry requirements of height and weight and everything like that you're still not necessarily going to get any jobs you're just on their website being represented by them like right it, it's hard to be a full-time agency represented model and even if you do get into an agency with like agencies now have an option for like social media influencers if you already have a big following yeah they they might like um you know represent you anyway if you don't meet their height and weight you know needs yeah but still like 
freelance, like the internet is freelance. A photographer that has an idea does not usually want to go through an agent. They want to talk to the model that they're going to work with directly to talk about the ideas and, and all that stuff. They don't want to pay an extra, you know, 15 or 20% for a middleman. Um, so, so I kind of like help give models this information. And then a lot of them say, well, I really like the nude modeling that you're doing and I want to do stuff like that, but I can't have anybody, I can't have so-and-so find out like my mom or my boyfriend or my grandma or whatever. And like, right. if they found out, like, I'm okay with it, but if so-and-so found out about it, it would ruin my life. And I'm like, well, then you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. Facial recognition <laughs> software. Like even if yeah. you change your name, yeah. like there's deep fake videos, like anybody, like that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but like, I just tell them like, if you're, if you are concerned and you think it's going to ruin your life, you know, if somebody finds out about like photos of you on the internet, like just don't even do it. And so right. now I kind of, I used to host like a lot of group photo shoot events like between 2012 and 2015. And I think I did a couple since then, but um, there was an incident where uh, two photographers who were like friends with each other, like uh, asked a model that they met through one of my group shoots to shoot with them like at their house. And uh, they were both uh, arrested for uh, kidnap and rape um that day so yeah and so and I knew them and I I vouched for them because I had worked with them right too and I was like I would not have thought in a million years that these people were predators and they worked with a lot of people that I knew and so after that I was like no more group shoots um it's there was so much positive that came out of it but like the negative like the few negative things that made me feel like I was personally responsible for connecting those people. Right. So I haven't been doing group shoots. Um, I mean, now it's COVID nobody's really doing group shoots and they probably shouldn't be. But um, ever, ever since then, like I, I kind of just have been putting my information out there saying, if you want help, like talk to me and I'll like, you know, it, it's, it's more helpful. I think when people can get one-on-one specific information that relates directly to their life, yeah. Um, than if they like watch a YouTube video or like go to a class. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, well, you did the life coach thing. You know how it is, how important, like just like having yeah. curated specific information is, you know, to like <laughs> success or whatever you want to be working in your field. And yeah. so now you do a lot. I know that you do like OnlyFans and Patreon and that kind of stuff. So you said that's like where you make most of your like living is from those things, right? Mm-hmm cool um how do you get over like your insecurities about your body to get in front of a camera I know that may be a big loaded question but I think it's really pertinent probably for the people in this industry yeah um definitely like I've, I've learned that like even the most like classically attractive people um are they look at themselves under a microscope so um just kind of like being aware that like even the you know the women in the magazines that I was like idolizing before they have insecurities too like nowadays you can like find a model and read their blog and you can read about how they're insecure about their nose or something like that so for me my insecurities were initially mostly about the stretch marks that I had on my body and I was like super like obsessed with 
you know, not wanting them to be shown because I thought that they were flaws and that, you know, this was going to make it so I couldn't model. So for like 10 years between the ages of like 18 and 28, I was always like asking photographers to Photoshop them out or like trying to pose in a way where they weren't going to be seen. And I learned that like, natural lighting like from the sun like in like in like open shade that's when you can see them the most but when people are using a flash directly on them it kind of washes out the skin so i learned you know what kind of lighting like hid them the best and i would like prefer that lighting you know if i if i had the option or whatever yeah and so so um i was always kind of trying to like you know trying to hide them mm -hmm. and if somebody posted a photo where they were showing i'm like aren't you gonna photoshop that you know like it's an imperfection but um there there's like a wave of that's been happening for the last few years now of uh, body positivity and i i know that um like i i don't like fit the mold of like what the initial reason for the body positive mood is is that it's for like uh you know women who are plus size and curvier like they um initiated this wave of body positivity but that inspired me one of my best friends who's a model who has the biggest following of all the models um that i know her name's lilius and lilius wright she's amazing um like she she gets like messages about her body on her social media all the time a lot of them are positive but a lot of them are negative like yeah. calling her derogatory slurs because of her body style and stuff sure. so so um i was inspired by her and other people who like also are non non-conventional models to be like well maybe I should just like talk about them because I know other people have them too. Like I've seen them on other people. So I made a post one day when I was 28, five years ago. Um, and I was like super nervous, but I just had like a selfie where like I was kind of pointing at them and I wrote like several paragraphs about how I had always asked them to be Photoshopped out and how like, this is, this is what they are. I've always been insecure about these. And to me, it was like a huge deal. And I was like, Oh my yeah. God, I don't want to hit send. I don't want to hit send, but I posted it anyway. And the response that I got was like super like supportive and like a lot of people were like, Oh my God, I'm so glad that you talked about this because I have it too. And people have, contacted me saying oh my wife or my daughter like has these two and she's all freaked out about them but and so I showed her your pictures you know where you're showing them and you know she follows you now and, and she looks up to you and I'm like wow. dang like I didn't think that I could actually influence people in that kind of a way yeah I was thinking like I'm just posting hot pictures and people are paying to see my tits and ass but it, it turned into <laughs> yeah. something where like um like I don't have to just be doing it for like you know attractiveness specific clicks and likes like right. um so that was like the main body insecurity that i have and you know everybody of every like you know normal body shape and size has fluctuations sure and like me everybody does and it's, when you're a model like you know it like you know every half a pound that's you know, you, you, you try to attribute it to, is it part of my cycle? Is it because I ate a lot of salt? Like, and I feel like, um, the more you're photographed and the thinner you are, the mo more obvious it becomes. And some people it's easy, easy, easy to develop, uh, an eating disorder oh, yeah, over this. Yeah. Or I, I learned that there's an eating disorder. I forget what the scientific term is, but it's just like 
eating so healthy all the time um, because you're so obsessed with being healthy and th yeah. that's its own eating disorder, not just binging and purging and, and, and starvation and stuff. So, so I'm like, Oh, do I have this? And I just like, it, it's really hard to like um, function as a freelance model, trying to like look your best, but like realizing that like, you know, emaciated is not looking your best. Right. Yeah, being super skinny, or I mean, yeah, I mean, not even super skinny, but yeah, like looking unhealthy is not, like you're saying, yeah. looking your best. It's not good for you. It's not good for your body. And eventually it probably isn't good for your brand and your business either. Like it, yeah. so much about that. Well, yeah. wow. That's, um, so, I mean, it just sounds like what you're saying is that like being open about your insecurities and like how you've learned that those have helped other people is like giving you I guess, insight into like, oh, everyone is insecure about something. So like, it's just like, you gotta work with it. And like, it sounds like, I mean, embrace it is like what you've been doing. It's like, you're exposing, yeah. like exposing what makes you uncomfortable in a way that's like helping heal other people, which is super, I mean, it's powerful. It's really, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Thanks. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more gray hairs actually, because finally accepting my stretch marks for me was a big deal. A lot of other people didn't like see it as a big deal. They're like, well, I think they look cool. But I know that uh, aging skin and graying hair are other topics that I'm hoping to adopt in my future um, for more like messages of positivity. And, and yeah. I have like in my videography, I have done a few projects where I reached out to older models to like, you know, focus on their unique attributes and like their, you know, confidence and stuff so yeah. so that, that's another thing about like you know just accepting one's appearance that i i think that i can you know contribute to the world that's something outside of just like look at my ass <laughs> yeah no i get it yeah i mean using what you do in a more i don't want to say like wholesome way but like in a holistic kind of like you know like help you've you've been able to heal in ways and now you want to help heal other people I mean, yeah, I, I know there, there's a lot of models that like, I know that they know that like their modeling persona online is totally separate from what their real life personality is. Right. And like, I like to me, it's really hard to like live and separate that. Um, like, uh, for example, I, I learned that, um, who was it? Pamela Anderson had made a statement a long time ago saying she's like yeah i know that my hair color is fake and that my boobs are fake but like you know i'm a boss and i'm making a ton of money and she uses her brand to promote um humanity for animals so i like seeing other people say yes i know that my like persona online is like hypersexualized, but i actually have like you know a reason for that and like you know it's helping all these things um so when I see uh, images of a model online and like all of her photos look like, you know, gratuitous, like booty, squishy mm -hmm. boobs together. Like now I, I used to look at that like, oh, they're just trying to get attention. But now I look at it and I'm like, this is their brand, you know, like right. they might, they probably have like a bunch of other things going on in their life. Maybe that they're, they're paying for. Like, I know that there's a girl, her name's London Andrews. She's a curvy model and she was doing a lot of like trips to go help uh, save wild animals and um, setting. I, I know that she like 
flew to Romania and helped start an orphanage or something like wow. that a few years ago because she was making a lot of income on her Patreon. And I was right. like, that's awesome. You know, like it makes, that would, that would make me feel good to do something more like that. That's cool. I love that. I mean, you don't expect that off the bat, but like, yeah, you're not just, you're not just like what you do. Like there's a whole person behind the camera and there's like a whole person behind the modeling and I think it's this is a good this is such a good insight to like I think you know be a representative of the community in a way that's like um that just exposes more than just what people think that is on surface level right like modeling is very like surface level and so I mean in a way but I guess what I'm trying to say is that like it's cool that you know, you open up and that you've been on the, you know, you, you're having conversation, you're posting YouTube videos that are about, you know, your life, not just like your work, you know, and that like you have other, like you're saying, you have other interests that you like to do. All these other models that you know are like humanitarians and they're like great people and that they're using their like sexual agency to kind of like achieve their goals, which is pretty fucking badass in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of other um, models that are kind of like in the circle of freelance models that I've been in touch with in the last few years are also like um, really great advocates that I've learned a lot about um, race equality as well. Yeah. So like I've been really influenced positively by other freelance models about because we like a lot of us were like, well, we should be using our platforms with like, you know, some, some of us have like half a million followers or followers or whatever. If we're just only posting pictures of ourselves, it's like, you know, what's the point of having a huge following? So with this, this past year um, and the, the race inequality issues that have been happening with police brutality and stuff like that, a lot of us have been like, you know, sticking by each other and like holding each other accountable to make sure that we're raising our voice about these issues yeah i mean it's yeah social justice and like and using your platform like you're saying and especially like bringing it back to the more current and like not just like you know like save the animal start an orphanage but like bring it home bring it like bring it to like what's happening in the moment is really yeah really pertinent um before we go i do have i'm trying to like get people to end i usually ask people like where their future lies or like what the, you know, what the future looks like for them. Um, but I think like what I'm going to start doing now is I want to start getting like a little bit of like a fun question. So my question okay. is like, what's on your photo shoot playlist? Like, what do you listen to when you're taking pictures? Oh, what do I listen to? Well, I, it kind of depends on like where I'm at, but um, a lot of the time I really like listening to like uh an entire Radiohead album in the background because I like wow. that it's uh I like that it's not too like um poppy like yeah. too poppy is like cheesy for me um I also I really like listening to Led Zeppelin when I'm shooting um but um on on a lot of the trips that I've done where I'm gone for a long time like you know two plus weeks toward towards the end of the trip when I know that I'm going to be home soon I like listening to like Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam uh because it I like that music and it reminds me of home so so like sometimes at the beginning of the shoot I'll play something that's a little more mellow like uh Radiohead and Mm -hmm. then like if I feel like I need an energy pickup I'll play something you know like I, I even like playing, um, you know, classic hits to the fifties and sixties. Yeah, cute. <laughs> because it's, like a it's mood. fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. Such, it's definitely that. 
also a lot of photographers that I'm working with, um, like, I, I like heavy metal and stuff too, but usually at shoots, like, unless I know the photographer likes that kind of music, I would yeah. request it just because I don't want them to be like, oh, what are we listening to? <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of like what I like listening to. <laughs> so where can people find you if they want to contact you, view your content? Like, this is the space to plug whatever and, you know, wherever you want to plug. Thanks. Uh, my website is christyjessica.com. That's Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y, jessica.com. And on there, you can find like links to all my other stuff. And there's a contact me button if you want to email me. Um, my modeling nickname is Pure Rebel. So I'm also on Instagram as Pure Rebel Model, Twitter, Pure Rebel Model. On My OnlyFans is Pure Rebel Model um patreon is forward slash pure rebel um but uh christyjessica.com kind of has links to all that stuff so so that's probably like um the best spot to check out cool well thank you very much for being on the show and i hope that we can like connect soon again and i can hear about your travels and like what's going on with you soon thanks it was fun yeah i'm glad i had a good time too very insightful all right Bye now. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode of What's Cool, an exploration of learning and connecting through our passions. Would you like to get in contact with us about your passions? Do you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show? Send us an email at whatscoolpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at whatscoolpod or on Facebook by searching What's Cool Podcast.